Welcome to the Best Ever You Show with your host, Elizabeth Hamilton Garino, CEO and founder of the Best Ever You Network, helping you live your life to the fullest. How? Real people, including celebrities, real advice, real places, products, and businesses, real life stories. It's all right here for you with this radio show, printed magazine, websites, community, and more. Remember to visit us online, too, at besteveryou.com. And now here's your host, CEO and founder of the Best Ever You Network, Elizabeth Hamilton Garino. Hello, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to the Best Ever You show. Happy to have you here. Uh, coming to you live from Maine, our guest is, uh, is a, I think, a Clark, a Clark University graduate, so she knows the East Coast well. We're going to have Heather Moynihan. Uh, Heather, did I say your last name right? That was the one thing I didn't get before we went live. <laughs> did I get that it's right? Monahan. Monahan. Okay. Monahan. Sorry about yes. that. Yeah, Heather Monahan. Okay. I, I wanted to make sure I got that right. Um, but uh, Heather will be with us here in just a minute or two as I just introduce um, the show and say thank you all for listening. It's always great to have you all listening live and then syndicate out onto iHeartRadio and all the places that radio shows and podcasts go so you can download and share the show. Um, it's back to school. Gosh, I believe. Uh, the youngest of our four boys, we, we have four boys that are uh, 18, 20, 22, and 24. The youngest are about to turn 18 and 20, and it was so, it was like that bittersweet moment where you take the youngest one to college, but he's up at RIT and seems to be settling in like the social butterfly he is. So all you parents out there who have children going back to school at whatever level, kind of a cool moment, but always a little, I always get a little teary here and there as they've, you know, you Heather, you you've got you've got a son, you know. They grow up so fast, I do. don't they? I can feel they, you want to chime in. They do. They definitely do, it's, but it's great experiences for them. Isn't it cool? Yeah, they they grow and change. So there's you know there's a bunch of different ways to look at it. People have been like, well, now you're empty nesters, and I'm like, well, I don't need to be an empty nester. <laughs> I'm good. They can come back, and we got a couple older ones at home still and stuff like that. So we're like a, got a, like a little revolving door of um, college age kids and a couple of adult ones into the workforce, and the and the door kind of revolves open. But um, anyway, so. Everybody, this is a cool moment. Um, I have not done any research on this guest whatsoever. Um, Heather, I, I kind of told you I was going to do that in one of my emails to intentionally not Google you, go to your website, research you, listen to really anything that you had done. And I'm doing that on purpose um, because I really want to hear about your life. And I want you to please share with us about your life um, so that we can get a really good sense from you of who you are. So somebody listening to this show really understands how you've gone from this to that to author to podcaster to, you know, all the things that you've done. Would that be okay with you to sort of set this up that way? Sure. Okay. I, I do have your website up now, though. <laughs> but um, yeah, what... I know this just from being connected to you on LinkedIn and so forth, that you're a best-selling author, a keynote speaker, an entrepreneur, the founder of Boss and Heels. I've seen um, so many pictures of you and your messages and your podcasts and so forth. Um, but this is a, th this is a direction for you that is evolving and changing and growing. Am I correct? Yes, Absolutely. 
can you can you tell us more about what you're doing um, now, and then we'll kind of backtrack. Sure, sure. So uh, right now, what I'm doing is I just finished my second book. I'm I'm finalizing my book proposal to take that um, out and shop my my second book. I have really been leaning into my speaking business. Next week, I'm heading to Boston to interview Sarah Blakely and Jesse Itzler live at Hypergrowth, and I'm in Philadelphia the week after that, Atlanta the week after that. I mean, I'm really focusing on my speaking business as well as each week I bring a new episode of my uh, podcast, Creating Confidence to Life, and I've had guests from Gary Vaynerchuk to Ryan Surhant, Million Dollar Listing, to Caitlin Bristow from The Bachelor. I have a really diverse um, group of guests that have been very open and vulnerable and sharing how they created success and, and how they created confidence in their life. Yeah, and that's exactly what I'm hoping that you'll do on this show and take us, you know, take us maybe, you know, all the way back to even kindergarten <laughs> to like who you were as a little kindergartner to, you know, to all the way to this point. Now we could probably be here for hours, but I'm hoping you'll kind of summarize a little bit. But, you know, it's a big deal to have you on the show because I think a lot of people really are scared, live in fear. They don't have the confidence, the self-confidence, the group confidence, you know, all the things um, that you're teaching us about. So I was wondering how that all came about. What, what made you decide to um, say, okay, I'm going to be the confidence creator and I'm going to write this book and I'm going to, you know, you know, what, you know, did you, did, are you ever not confident? Have you ever been like, mm, I don't know if I can do that or not. Or are you just yeah. self-confidence and this is your wheelhouse? <laughs> no, absolutely. I believe that people teach what they need to hear and repetition to remind themselves. So, you know, I'm definitely not an exception to that rule. The pivotal moment in my life was when after 20 years in media, 14 years at the same company, I was chief revenue officer responsible for hundreds of millions of dollars. I had just won one of the most influential women in radio in 2017. And I was unexpectedly fired when the CEO that I had reported to for 14 years became ill. He elevated his daughter to replace him and she terminated me immediately. And it was that moment that I decided I was going to do something different. And, And within 30 days, I had made the decision I was going to write a book. And then writing a book, you know, took me to self-publishing and self-publishing took me to figuring out how to sell books and figuring out how to sell books showed me that I needed to start speaking and traveling and speaking about the book. And that launched my speaking career. And then promoting my book took me to podcasts and being a podcast guest. And I traveled around the country as a guest and that led me to the podcasting business. So every step since I've been terminated has really been an evolution and this unknown space that has really been unfolding and becoming more clear now. I'm two years into this, so it's much yeah. more clear now today than, than it was that first day two years ago. Yeah, and I know um, I, I I know we have a little bit more history than I'm letting on you. I, I know who you are and stuff like that, but I didn't want to go into like so much detail that like I was talking about you. I really wanted you to talk about you. But one of the most wonderful conversations I've had with you since I've sort of known you um, is about um, – girls supporting each other because um I know you and I both have experienced have experienced situations where it's like oh that's an I'm just going to call it like a mean girl <laughs> I don't know what else to call it but toxic right toxic environments 
And um, I was I was wondering, I don't know if you have to tiptoe around that or if you can talk, you know, teach us about that or whatever. I know you sh- you shared some really cool insights with me in email and I appreciated it because I know I was struggling with that. Uh, but I've had plenty of people be nasty to me. Um, and you're definitely not one of them. And I was like, oh, thank God she's not like that. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I talked to you about that. Yeah, so the mean girl syndrome is very much alive and well in corporate America. You know, everyone <laughs> sees it, I, I believe, with young girls, and, and, and they notice when you have a daughter how difficult and how mean other young girls can be and bully one another. But unfortunately, it doesn't stop there. You know, it goes right through college and, and into the workforce. And for me, it was much worse in corporate America than it ever was for me as a child. You know, there was a number of different, you know, quote-unquote mean girls that were the ones that you were supposed to get along with and cater to and bow down to. And when you don't, as I did not, I, I did not believe in that. And, and um, you know, I just thought I'll just do my job and, and get things done and people will leave me alone. I was very wrong. And it was actually one of those mean girls that ultimately fired me in the end. You know, that was the ultimate mean girl. And, and she yeah. had her posse of other mean girls that ran behind her. Mind you, those were the same women that would, you know, stab her in the back when she wasn't around, but it was a very toxic environment. And I learned through that experience that, that I was in for years that being around toxic people that are trying to pull you down is the most harmful thing you can do for your confidence, whether you realize it or not. And I, and I didn't realize it at the time. I thought I can just turn a blind eye to these people. They don't affect me. I'll go out and get my job done. And I did get my job done, but over time it was really chipping away at my confidence when I was getting those discerning looks and knowing that they were talking about me, knowing that they were trying to hold me back, put me down when I wasn't around. I was very aware that was happening, and I thought I could rise above it, but, you know, that just isn't the case. And for me, I really didn't start to create authentic confidence in myself until I removed myself from that environment. And that woman thought she fired me that day when in fact I fired a villain from my <laughs> life. Her. And when yep. I fired her, that was really the time where positive people started showing up to support me. And I felt completely different and really started to grow and evolve into start reaching my potential, which I had been held back from for a really long time. Yeah. And can you, um, I, here's where I just want you I'm going to chop this up a little bit. This is going to just be a totally choppy sentence, but fix it for me, please. And um, I really want to talk about how pretty you are. And here's why. Um, Because you are very beautiful, but you're beautiful inside and out. And I want to know how hard that is to, because I, I'm not saying I'm, you know, even close to as pretty as you are, but I've, I've been like, okay, maybe if I put 10 pounds on people, I'll fit in better. Or maybe if I don't do my hair or if I don't do my makeup or if I don't put my nails on or heels on or a suit on or like, how do I fit in? And me is a dressed up hair done, makeup, nails done, healed girl, uh, woman, I'm 50. And um, sometimes that just is annoying to people flat out annoying people. I've had people, you know, do you know what I'm trying to say? Like, 
Sure. Here's the thing. At the end of the day, <laughs> yeah. you need to make yourself happy and be yourself. So if you're a person that likes to rock out in jeans and flip-flops and hair in a bun, you've got to rock out that way, and that's how you're going to attract your right people. You need to show up as you. And for a long time in corporate America, I would show up in the navy blue pantsuit, and people would tell me <laughs> to wear my hair up and to try to, to you know, tone it down a bit. And, and I tried that game for a while. And I realized I was not my most powerful self when I didn't show up as the real me. And so I began to lean into who I am and dress the way I wanted to and wear my hair the way I wanted to. And it didn't become so much about upsetting others. It was about making me happy and being that real me. Because the more you try to change who you are for others, the less confident you're going to be. So I learned that, you know, the people who are my people will be, gravitate towards me when I show up as that person that I really am. The more I was showing up as somebody else, I was surrounding myself with people that I didn't really want to be spending time with. Well put. Thank you for that. And is it is it um talk about how you talk about the glass ceiling for a while if you would sure so so um i had been in business from you know essentially from when i graduated college i got into sales immediately and i was always told you know and and i saw the boss was always a man and a boss was always an older white man that was clear and he wore a navy blue pantsuit and it when i was younger i could see that that path there were no women in very high leadership positions. I started in the wine industry and I never thought I moved to the radio industry and I never thought, but in my mind, I was very clear on a few things. I, I was exceptionally strong in sales. I had been bussing tables, waiting tables and bartending my whole life. And that really taught me sales and how to deal with customers. So I knew I was really good at that. And I started thinking, you know what, I'm more talented than these people that I'm working for. This is interesting. And I was really curious about it for a while and of course, I, I saw the same things in culture and, and heard the same things that women, you know, didn't get ahead. But I got really clear because I grew up with a single mother who struggled for money that that wasn't going to be me. And I knew that if I outworked everybody, they'd lose their excuses. Now, I ran into plenty of challenges along the way, but I would continually go into situations and see there's a white space here. The company I was working for had no uniformity, no collaboration um, from market to market. There was no systems in place with sales. And I identified that opportunity. I turned it into a pitch and I went into the president of the company and I pitched him on an idea that I had to create a VP of sales position for the organization. I talked to him about why it would benefit him and make him look good and make the shareholders money. And then I told him why I was the right fit for that job. And, and in the end, they created that position I was awarded that job, but it didn't stop there. To eventually get to the C-suite, I had to make three more leaps along the way, and that meant proving the, the results, you know, delivering results based upon what those expectations were, achieving those goals, and exceeding those goals, and then going back to leadership and pitching and presenting why that next job should be created for me, why I should be awarded that next job. And it definitely wasn't easy, but I was very driven and I delivered on expectations, exceeded the expectations. And in the end, you know, I was able to break through that glass ceiling, but I, I definitely know it is not for the faint of heart. It has to be a very clear goal and vision that you have in your mind. And you have to make a lot of sacrifices. I traveled every single week of my career for more than, you know, 
probably more than 15 years. And, you know, that's giving up a lot in order to do it. So it's just making a decision, which is, you know, what is that vision for your future? How do you want that to look? What are you willing to sacrifice and, and just going for it? Yeah. Um, I noticed you said something. You worked really, really hard. It doesn't sound like you're a person who uh, just expects things to be handed to you. Do you want to elaborate on that a little? Yeah, no, I've never uh, had anything handed to me. Um, you know, I, I don't, uh, that's never been in the cards for me. I didn't come from a wealthy family and then had, you know, a business handed to me or, or anything like that. So the good news and the benefit for me was that because I started at the bottom, I learned every aspect of different companies, whether it was stocking shelves in the wine business and learning how retail organizations work, or it was riding on the trucks for the Gallo Winery and understanding the process of distribution. You know, I was able to get insight into every department of business because I was in those different departments. And many people think it's a gift to have a wealthy father hand you a company. However, what I've learned coming up, you know, very differently is when you educate yourself from that ground level to the different jobs, you earn the respect of those around you. You really educate yourself, which separates you when you have that, those experiences that others only hear about. You've lived them. You've been in them. And then you can take and harness that knowledge and apply it to that next opportunity, that next position. And in culmination, you have this 360 degree view of an operation in a company that other people that have had things handed to them, they just, they simply don't have. They don't have it. Yeah. Yeah. You and I share that. Um, I didn't have anything handed to me either. And in fact, my parents went bankrupt when I was very young. So I put myself through college and worked full time and I've, um, I've been the door greeter at Walmart. I sold, <laughs> I spent a lot of my college um, selling men's clothing and uh, fitting guys for suits and all sorts of stuff. So, yeah, I, I get you completely. So um, thank you for sharing that about yourself um, with us for sure. Do you want to talk about um, Clark University? And, and one of the reasons why I um, would love to chat with you about this is because you know, if you were in my office, I'd be like, oh, good, and she's smart, too. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, that's, a, that's a great school. And, um, and, and you were just a guest professor at Harvard. That's pretty neat. So um, please tell us about um, brilliance as well. <laughs> about college? Yeah, I would love to. Yeah, because, you know, it's, I think that's a great school. And then also, you know, being a, you know, being, getting to be a guest professor at Harvard is, you know, pretty neat too. So um, yeah, there's smarts that go with you. Makes me pretty proud. Yeah, so, well, for me, Clark was not my first choice. My mother worked there, which meant I could go to oh. school there for free. So that was decided long before college application process. We didn't have any money. And, and for me, I just wanted to be able to graduate school. I worked the entire time. I went to school, I bartended so that I could mm -hmm. make money, and, and really I was just driven to get to work. University and going to school was sort of just a rite of passage that I had to complete, something I had to check off so I could go to work full time. So for me, it wasn't really that, I don't look me back too. on college as this amazing, know. You know, this amazing experience, right? It was something that I had to get done. And yep. Uh, I'm glad that I'm glad I graduated. I'm glad that I was able, you know, to go to a good school. However, you know, and I share this with my son, 
what I really learned, what set me apart in business didn't come from my college years. It didn't come from what I, I, I studied psychology, which is interesting. However, you know, I learned much, much more waiting tables and being a, a bus boy and being a bartender on how to deal with people than I ever did in a classroom. And what's interesting in regards to um, being a guest professor at Harvard is when on LinkedIn, uh, uh, one of the professors from Harvard reached out to me and asked if I would ever consider being a guest professor for her sales and marketing class. And I asked why, you know, I didn't go to Harvard. Why would you want me to be um, a guest professor for you? And it was very interesting to hear. He said, Heather, these kids have all the knowledge in the world from every textbook you can imagine. However, they have no idea when it comes to life experience. And when I was able to see through that lens, what I do know is through life experience and, and real world situations, I understood I could impart a lot of knowledge on them that they can't access through their, um, through their uh, textbooks. And so it ended up being a great class because it, I, can't, I come from sales and marketing from a very different angle than the textbooks they've been reading. So it was really eye-opening for them and for me in regards to, you know, we all have our own unique value. We all have different things that we're great at. I call that our superpowers. And when you really step into them and share those real-life stories, anyone can learn um, from you, whether you're at Harvard or, or wherever else. Yeah. Yeah, I, I love that. I feel this kind of the same way about my my uh, college experience as well, where it was that was hard to do to put myself through school and work and do all that stuff. It wasn't like um, I think my kids have it easier than I do. Right. They have a little less pressure than I do. Although um, one of them just got a job as a, a barista and um, it was pretty fun. Um, they're they're working and one of them is a college athlete, so that's like having you know two full time jobs. So they're working hard. Absolutely. Um, but, but maybe not so much with the, you know what I mean? The, the true real, like, oh my gosh, how am I going to pay for this and my rent and my this and my that and food, you know, food was a consideration. Um, yeah, struggled. So that's really interesting that you say that. And I, I completely agree with you. Do you have, um, what's like, what's your favorite thing to talk about these days? Is it sales? Is it the, your book? Is it, you know, what? What when you're on stage, what are you speaking about? What or I know it varies, but maybe it really give us depends. An it, the different audience, you know, it's really it's always about the audience when I speak. Mm -hmm. So you know, what I like to do is a discovery call with, with whoever is bringing me in to speak. And actually, you know, with this, I'm speaking at this conference, Hypergrowth, on Tuesday, and I just got off a call with them. And it's really about walking through and what is the audience looking for, what is their background, what are their needs. Because the more I can understand what an audience needs, I can figure out what value that I could bring that they can walk away with and, and implement in their own lives. So it's, it's always, you know, to me, very different in, in regards to audience. And this audience that I'm speaking to on Tuesday is all about sales and marketing and being young entrepreneurs. So me talking about being a mother is not going to be relevant to them. You know, it's really going to be more about how can you get ahead in sales? How do you differentiate yourself? You know, how, how can you close those bigger deals and realize that going for bigger deals is possible? How can you create a vision for your future? You know, how was I able to do that? And picking those unique stories in my life and in my past that they can relate to, that they can glean some knowledge and information from. Yeah. Yeah. Our, our audience here on best ever you um, varies depending on who the guest we have is, but what I've noticed is our audience is trending um, younger and younger and looking for very beginning 
basic information about how to, um, a lot of college graduates um, that are looking for that first job, um, or the other thing we have are a lot of moms who are um, either working part-time or like, you know, your kids are grown or, or in, co- in high school or, co- or in college, and they're looking to go back to work or start that business from home. But, and this is why I think you're such a pivotal guest for us, and this is where I'm hoping our conversation goes as, as we unfold here, is that confidence to do so, because it's a huge change um, to just go from, okay, yep, the you know, I've had a part-time job or maybe even a full-time job. Okay. The kids are at college. I want to do something different. Um, or this is a new, you know, basically what it boils down to is like a new chapter in our, in our life sort of unfolding at whatever age we're at. And that's really a lot of what best ever you is, um, people looking to, um, to make those changes and leaps into something unknown, like a hobby that becomes a job. Um, you know, you know, just something a little bit more. So, do you, where can people find your book and what are a couple lessons from your book that somebody listening to our show could learn? Um, like, cause we're sure as we're talking here, yeah, it'd be sure. really helpful. Yeah. Give so some takeaways. My book is called Confidence Creator and that can be found on Amazon, Audible, Hardback, Soft Cover, Kindle version, but Amazon's the place to get it. Um, Confidence Creator. And my podcast does the same thing, teaches the same um, lessons each week, just with different guests. And that's called Creating Confidence. And that's on Apple Podcasts. That's anywhere and everywhere you find podcasts. So in regards to that younger audience that you mentioned, you know, one of the challenges I see is technology has become such a part of their lives that they don't think to go face to face. And as a hiring manager for two decades, the number one way someone can differentiate themselves from the sea of mediocrity out there, the sea of people sending hundreds of resumes out is to show up and connect with a human being. And that may start with, you know, initially figuring you find a salesperson on the team, you know, and you connect with them first and ask them for a favor to get you in front of the hiring manager. Or maybe if you show up and you meet the receptionist and you bring her donuts and say that you're trying to get to the hiring manager, but finding a way to get a face-to-face meeting with the ultimate decision maker will always separate you from the pack. And that's the best advice I could give to any young person that's looking to break in and isn't figuring out why they're sending these resumes out and nothing's happening. That's why. The hiring manager gets thousands of resumes. As far as the working mother that might be looking to make a change, the number one thing I see with mothers is they don't put themselves first and that really cripples their confidence. So learn to put yourself first and it can start as small as, you know, going for a walk once a week to maybe starting to go to the gym daily and not feeling guilty. Instead of apologizing, start looking at it like this. If you want your son to grow up to be the person married to someone and they're always second and they don't put their needs and wants first, that's what you're creating when you are that person. So be the example of what you want your children to be. Do you want them to pursue their passions? Do you want them to work out and be healthy? Is that important to you? Then show up every day as that person, and they'll be down that same path just like you. Great advice. How about the guys? Let's talk about guys for a little bit because, um, you know, we're we're so – Girl, 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 all, all, you know, the media, everything is so women-driven. Um, where guys seem like they're getting a little left in the dust <laughs> and, uh, you know, here and there. I know um, I know, we've had discussions with our, our kids about just the fact that their boys, um, they get 
there's they get picked on like maybe they're not good students you know whereas they're straight A students you know that kind of thing there's a lot going on with boys that we're not talking about um, out loud do you want to talk about confidence with young men sure I I have a 12 year old so I, I live with it every day you know bullying goes on all the time in school and my son's been bullied. And we actually put together a program for him that can be applied to anyone. And essentially, anytime your, your confidence is down, you're not feeling you know, great about things, the first thing you want to do is start a practice of gratitude. It's the most important thing. Write down three things each night when you go to bed or when you wake up that you're grateful for and get in that habit. The next thing we did was created a playlist, which was essentially his Fire Me Up playlist, but also I Love Myself playlist. And you picked those songs. My son, son picked the song Glorious. That was something that represented how powerful and strong he was. And we would play that playlist every morning on the way to school, talking about what we're looking forward to, essentially shifting our mindset to the things that my son wanted to create and putting that energy out there and attaching music to it, which is really, really powerful. And it really begins to shift things for you. Uh, the other thing is spending time in your superpower. So, if you're not doing great in school and school isn't your thing, what is? For my son, it was basketball and sports, and he felt at his best when he was playing sports and cheering others on. He started writing messages on the bottom of his shoe, I can do all things. And he would do that because at some point during the game, you're not going to be playing well, and you can remind yourself that, you know what, you can do all things, and just because you're not in this one moment doesn't mean you won't be forever. Then you need to look at the people you're surrounding yourself with. Who are the friends that you're spending time with? And if they're the ones that are putting you down, it's time to fire those friends and find some new ones. So, you know, it's all about these very small steps that each one of us can take, whether you're a boy or a girl, to set yourself up to have confidence and, and pursue your passion. Mm, I love that. Yep, I, I agree with you. Hey, um, gratitude. So gratitude, 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 and I love. T tell me what he wrote on his shoes again. That was that was interesting, and why? What led to yeah, that? He writes, "You can do all things," and that's his reminder that when he starts out his game, he feels really hyped up. He's been listening to his playlist, envisioning a great game, practicing all the time, so he knows he's going to do well. But at any point in the game, just like at any point in life, you can hit a rough patch and maybe you don't have a great quarter. Well, that's when he goes and sits down and he looks at the bottom of the shoe and he reminds himself, oh, no, I can do all things. Yeah, love it. Um, you've been on just about everything. So I'm on your website. Everybody, um, I'll put a link to, to Heather's websites and everything all over our community at Best Ever You. Um, her website is spelled H-E-A-T-H-E-R-M-O-N-A. H-A-N.com, Monahan, right? Did I say it right? I have such an Iowa accent. I'm sorry. The <laughs> Midwest no, part fine. of me That's destroys right. last names, and I'm, I always tell there's two things on this radio show. I'm a destroyer of last names unless I talk to you ahead of time, and I don't like ever closing out the show and leaving. <laughs> so <laughs> it's kind of funny. But we'll keep us on track today. But, you know, you've been on a lot of um, different shows, Jenny McCarthy, Dr. Drew, um, you've been in USA Today, you know, all these different things. Is there is there one thing in common when you go on a radio show that you that you always talk about? Is there is there something that you find that resonates really well with audiences um, in general or as a whole that you talk about? Or is it always different? No, I think it really it depends on, you know, the different hosts and their audience okay. and, and what their, you know, rapport is with the audience. I think it really differs from show to show. 
Okay. Yep. I, I wondered if that was the same as with your speaking and so forth. So for, for best ever you purposes, I want to go back to focusing on your book, Conf- Confidence Creator. And I really would like to direct people to Heather's website because um, you can click on, along the top for speaking. You can learn more about Heather. Um, and then there's a tab called Confidence Creator where you can um, see books, courses, um, what people have written about the book. And then what I there's free ebooks too and confidence tips. But what I really wanted to share with the audience was accountability partners. You have first 30 days or 30 more days accountability tabs here. What is that? So what I do is I find a lot of people don't hold themselves accountable to their goals, whatever they may be. So I offer them an opportunity to sign up for free. I will be your accountability partner, and each morning you'll get an email from me keeping you focused on achieving your goals and not quitting on yourself. Love it. And is there a difference between having that for 30 days or more than 30 days? Well, some people like to look at things. It seems overwhelming to look at something beyond a month, and that's why, you know, you can create positive, impactful change in your life in 30 days. And I think a lot of people need to be able to break it down to that one month in order to jump in and commit to it. And, that, and that's why I broke it out that way. Okay. And then you have a course available, which is awesome. Um, do you want to tell us about your course that's available? Or course sure. Right? After Sorry. the book came out, you know, people were asking what's next. And this is before I had launched the podcast. So I created a video course for all of those people that are much more interested in seeing things, you know, and, and looking at something similar to like a YouTube video versus having to read something. So the course was originated out of the need from the people that had loved the book and, and wanted that interface and to be able to see. And, and I basically have um, an eight part series where um, you receive a number of different videos and I walk you through all the steps that you need to create to, to get your confidence to the highest level you've had it yet. Okay, everybody listening. So Heather's got a website. She's got a book. She's got courses. She speaks all this. I mean, there's so many amazing things here. This is a person who has taken a moment, a a pain into purpose moment is what I call them sometimes. You pivoted. Um, Instead of, I'm really hoping you'll go back to that moment where that, that lady made the mistake and of firing you, but also you fired her, which was the, was the moment of like, uh, you know, where we're at today, um, her mistake, right. Um, in your, your gain and our gain really, um, can you, that's a hard moment. And I'm wondering if you'll go there and really become vulnerable here on this radio show, because so many people have that. I know, Um, I have felt that way in my life where it's like, okay, this isn't going right. I need to do something else. I'm people are there, whether that's what my book percolate is all about. It's like how to make a change when something happens to you or you need to make it, but it could be, it could be something Heather like um, illness is in your way and you need to make a change and keep going. Um, You kept going. What was, can you go back to that moment and did you shed tears? Did you, you know, stomp around? Did you <laughs> yell at anybody? Take, take us to those moments and maybe even the week or two after. And can you tell us what you were going through and how you really made that decision to do what you're doing today? Like really take us yeah, through that if you don't mind. If you mind, let me know and I'll move on. Yeah, no, it was all about tears. It was sadness. There was, you know, I wasn't angry. The emotion was sadness. And what I have learned is, Emotion never helps in business. 
So I thought to myself, even though I was crying and I didn't know what I would do, I needed to apply my business acumen to the situation. And so what I know is in any situation, you need a plan, you need a deadline, you need to create a vision, and you need to hold yourself accountable. And so that's what I did that first week. I decided to put together a 30-day plan because I felt that was manageable. It wasn't too far out. I didn't want to overwhelm myself. I needed to lower expectations on myself. I need to claim my space and let my son know these are not the days you're going to come to me and ask for help because right now I need help. So here's what I need. And I laid out very clear guidelines for everybody in my life. I took to social media and I let everybody know I had just been fired and I was really hurting and I needed help. And a tremendous amount of people reached out to me and began helping me. And that then Froggy from the Elvis Duran show tweeted at me, how can I help? And I said, get me on the show. I, I need a larger audience. And he got me on the Elvis Duran show and this was the pivotal moment. This was one month after I was fired. I was on the Elvis Duran show, and Elvis said halfway through the interview, well, obviously, Heather, you're writing a book about this. And I said, well, obviously, <laughs> I am. However, I wasn't in that moment. And so I really put a lot of pressure. I held myself accountable to Elvis and his audience. I jumped on that plane, and I Googled, how do you write a book? And I just started writing. And all, each one of these steps has just taken me to the next step, and I didn't know that next step was coming, and that's really how it's all unfolded. Which I love, yeah. And um, it's not all perfect, is it? Because, I, like, you can hear it. Like, that's why I keep this show the way I keep this show. You know, my words aren't perfect. My sentences aren't perfect. But we're moving forward. I have, you know, I've got Heather as a guest on the show, which I consider a really pivotal moment for Best Ever You. So, Describe that for us, because it's not all perfect. It's not. No, no, but nobody has a perfect life and and understanding that, you know, there is no such thing as perfect, because if you're not growing and falling down and evolving and stepping into fear, you're not ever going to reach your potential. So by staying in some static place that you believe is safe, the biggest eye-opening moment for me is to understand I thought for 14 years I was in a company that just kept getting promoted, kept getting promoted, and I thought I was safe. That's the least safe I actually was. You know, I, anything can happen when you're at the hands of somebody else. Leadership can change. Companies can be bought. You're never actually safe. What you are is in a situation, and it's up to you if you want to start growing and get better or you just want to stay exactly where you were. And for me, it's much more rewarding and I feel much better as myself as a parent showing my son that I continue to move into fear. I continue to figure out different ways to do things. Some work well, some don't. But it's that evolution and process that really is helping him to see that I'm growing and helping me to see what my potential actually is. Yeah. What about, okay, so now we're going to talk about, if you if you can go with me here, I know I'm a little choppy, but um, you we were talking about writing that book in that moment you're on the airplane Googling, how do I write a book and all this stuff. And I can remember being turning 40 and going, okay, one of my goals since I've been a little tiny kid was to write a children's book. So I wrote it and I did the best I could do. I had two kids from Thornton Academy here in Maine illustrate it and out the door it went. I'm like, okay, it's not perfect, but I've done this and I'm going to learn from this. And then the next one, and then the self-help book and so forth. Um, it is not easy to write books and there is a sharp learning curve. What was your process of writing your book? Like from that moment on the airplane where you're Googling to like, you know, even like this moment, I know you're thinking about writing another one or you've got one written. Um, what's, what's that like? And please, as you're talking about that, talk to all the people who are like, Oh, I want to write a book. <laughs> 
Well, I actually, I get asked about this so often that what I did was I created an episode on my podcast specifically about how to write a book, how to do it, and how to self-publish. So anyone that wants to get that, it's it's one, the, um, creating confidence with Heather Monahan, and the episode is with J.T. McCormick, the owner of Scribe Media, and we talked for over an hour exactly about how to do this. So please check it out. But you know, for me, what's interesting is things are different for everybody. Just because one person thinks something's hard, another person may not. For me, writing a book was not hard. For me, making the decision and announcing I was working for myself was crippling hard. That was so scary and so difficult. For for me to sit down and write for five hours a day was not hard. And I, and I just finished my second book, and that wasn't hard. The writing part wasn't hard. The self-publishing part for me was very hard. So just because something's hard for one person, I think a lot of times we want to take this on, you know, oh, it's very hard to get your own TV show. Oh, it's very hard to do this. That might have been hard for them. It doesn't mean it's going to be hard for you. The only way you're going to figure it out is if you try it. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Some people, that even goes with like baking. I make a lot of chocolate chip cookies and donate them to kids over the years with children's literacy and story times and stuff like that. And people will be like, oh, I don't, I can't bake. It's hard. So there's an example just on the chocolate chip cookie level. (laughs) Yeah. Some some things are easy for people. Yeah. Some things are hard for people and it just is what it is. But um, what is the, so you said the, what was the, what was the hardest thing about uh, putting a book out into the world, or now two of them, is it the is it the publishing part of it? What what yeah, what is it for you that is part tricky? The most challenging. Yeah, it's a it's a large financial investment. You're not yeah. in retail stores, so in order to get in retail stores, you need to go personally pitch all the different very. You know, it's a lot of footwork that you're having to go to a lot of different places you're the only person promoting it so you have to figure out how can I get on the show what is the audience I need to connect with how can I get this blogger to mention it how can I get picked up on this podcast as a guest you know it's just a tremendous amount of footwork in order to break through yeah it's do you think it's fun though I don't, I don't know that I would say that part's fun. For me, having a podcast yeah. is much more fun. I prefer to interact with people than be doing the behind-the-scenes yeah. work. You know, that that's definitely my wheelhouse. So for me, that's not really – just like crunching numbers for me or doing my taxes, That those things aren't fun to me. They're things that need to get done, and, and I'll do them, but that's not the fun work. I like – being on stage, speaking at speaking engagements, I love that. I really come alive. I love being on podcasts as a guest, and I love having people on my podcast as a guest. That's a lot of fun for me. But the, but the other things, those, you know, really driving the work to, you know, to get my book into Barnes & Noble and showing up random times, trying to find a regional manager, and that person's not there, and coming back again the next day, and that person, that stuff is, it's daunting. Yeah. So, what, okay, so when you're as pretty as you are with your hair, your makeup, you know, everything, I just, I just find you outstandingly beautiful. And I've, I've told you that so many times before. And I, there's one picture on your website as I'm, as I'm talking to you that always um, comes up. It's got, it's got girl boss on it and you're behind your desk and all that stuff. Do you, right. do you ever get asked questions and do you, and tell me if, if you find them silly or anything like that, but do you ever get questions about like just beauty questions because you know you and yeah, it, I don't know if this is offensive or anything so I'm tiptoeing around it but you look like a model you could be a model um and you know your business you're smart you've got you know all these different things but you're just cool and I'm and I'm so proud of all that you're doing and so it's just an honor to have you on the show um 
but do you get asked by other girls like, oh my gosh, how do you get your hair like that? Because I would love to have that chat with you and maybe not on this radio show or anything like that, but is that offensive to you or is that fair game? Because it's cool. I love no, your hair. I don't, I'm not <laughs> offended by questions like that. In fact, what I did is I respond to audience and that's how I create content. So if you're on my website, go to the Monaghan method. When you click uh-huh. that drop down, you're going to see four different tabs. One of them says, I think it says like, pretty gorgeous or something and it's mm-hmm. answering all of the questions that people ask me about in and around beauty and style oh amazing okay because I could so see you going in that direction and it would be like so easy in a way um you know because you you just have cool clothes and you're you know I don't know I just I I could see like you having an Instagram account where people like follow what you're wearing and it just be some part of that being as simple as that. <laughs> but I don't, well, that you like to be a little more Definitely not been my focus. <laughs> <laughs> it could be, but I know it's not your focus. But you know, it's. I think it would be really. Um, I know that's something about you that I I just really love. I, I'm like, oh, where'd you get that dress? Or um, so I don't know if people are starting to do that or not with you. But I would I would see that coming down the pike for sure. Um, oh, and it might you. be annoying. I don't know. Um, there's a free ebook, um, 30 days to, to a more confident you. Um, how do people get your ebook? If you go to the website, heathermonahan.com, just click on the tab, you'll see free ebook. And all you do is you put your email address in there and the PDF is sent right to you. And it, it's just a very simplistic approach, some very basic things you can do. It's really a precursor to my book on some changes you can implement in your life and track weekly and create some confidence right out of the gate. Yeah. What are you learning as you go here? As you go through all these different things? Yeah. What, what, what are some of the things that you're learning? Because we're all you life just that you, you never know what's coming next, and you have to be open-minded to different things. I'm told no all of the time. I wanted <laughs> to get Jesse Itzler as a guest on. You know, he's the owner of the Atlanta Braves, and um, he was a former rapper. He's married to Sarah Blakely. He has so many professional accomplishments, from Zico Water to Marquee Jets. And I wanted to get him as a guest on my show, and everyone kept telling me, you cannot, you cannot. He doesn't do shows. And I was able to connect to his business manager, and we hit it off, and I helped him out with a few things. And immediately I got Jesse on my podcast, and that led to the opportunity now to go work with him in Boston. And you just you don't know what's coming ahead of you, so you have to continue to stay open-minded, pursue your goals regardless of what anyone else tells you is possible, and, and just keep chasing them down. Now let's talk. Can we keep talking about Nancy Ayers for a minute? Because um, sometimes that stops people right as they're thinking about doing something. You know, like if you think about that moment, like of of um, go back. I hate to bring you back this moment, but I'm going to again. Um, you know, when you get fired or when something doesn't go your way, um, that's a, like a naysayer moment, and you have a choice right there to continue to believe in yourself or go down, um, feeling like crap. And um, what what's that? Is there Anything that you've learned or a trick that you can um, share with us or anything like that? Because, uh, boy, have I been told no a lot. Boy, have I been dissed a lot. Um, I don't know about you, but, wow. I mean, somebody called me at one point a washed-up soccer mom. I think I was 43, and my kids all play baseball. It's like, oh, that's a nice comment. You know, just stuff like that. It's like, oh. 
just, you know, you just well, in, in a situation fun. like that, that's about the other person, right? That has nothing to do yeah. with you. So when you see, when you have haters show up and people that are, you know, saying things that just don't make any sense and have nothing to do with you, that's about them. And you can feel really proud that you're doing something unique and different to elicit a response like that. If you were doing something like everybody else, no one would say anything. So I really try to applaud when I hear negative comments. I say, you know what, that's fantastic because I'm not like everybody else. I'm not cookie cutter. And and when you see these, you know, situations where, oh, I'm being told no and no and no, what I've learned after 45 years in sales is that <laughs> no is just the opening of a conversation, right? No one out there who's succeeding in business uh, got a no and went home and shut the door the no is just opening that conversation. So then it's on me to reframe that pitch, find out if I'm dealing with the ultimate decision maker, what did I miss in the conversation? What information do I not have yet that once I can grasp, I can recreate this pitch. You know, if I believe in something wholeheartedly, there's got to be a solution. I just haven't found it yet. Love it. I hope everybody listening plays that back a time or two. That's it right there. <laughs> so helpful. Um, that's, that's you like never give up. Is that right? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, okay. So tell us about your podcast and your next book, because I'm all excited about that. Um, the podcast fabulous, by the way. Thank you. Yeah. So I signed with Podcast One um, back in April. We launched the show in May, and it went to top of the charts on Apple Podcasts. The first week it came out, every week it's been on new and noteworthy in business. And what I do is the first 20 minutes of each show, I take the listeners through what I'm going through, whether it be working on my TED Talk or, you know, what business objective that I'm working on or struggling with. Then the next 40 minutes, I interview a different guest each week, and we talk about their success, how they got there, and how they create confidence in their life. And then the wrap-up, I answer all the questions that people DM me during the week. I answer those live on the show. Love it. And what about your next book? When's that coming out? What's it about? And so forth. So I'm going a different direction this time. The first time I wrote my book, I self-published, and that was a tremendous amount of work. So this time, what I've just done is I've created a book proposal, and now I'm working with an agent to pitch it to publishing houses. So then what you do is you let go of the control. I wouldn't know when the book will come out. That will be up to them. But then I'll have a partner to launch the book with. Yeah, that's how my, my book is, uh, being an author with Hay House. Um, my book, so I have two self-published books and then one traditionally published book where I was paid to write the book. And, um, yeah, you do lose, you lose your control, but um, it's a different sort of thing that you gain as well. So um, both are really good, though, to anybody out there writing a, thinking about writing a book or publishing a book. Um, both have their pluses and negatives for sure. Um, especially with self-publishing, you have a little bit more control and you get a little bit more money in your pocket um, up front and so forth. But um, yeah, good luck with that. That's, that's quite a process. Thank you. Um, yeah. And um, from the moment I signed, it took about two years for the book to come out. It was, uh, right. that was a process. Yeah. You, you give up that immediate, um, so like some people, they write a book and they're like, okay, this needs to get out there immediately. When you traditionally publish a book, there can be a one to three year gap um, while you're waiting for your book to come out. So that's, um, that's an interesting thing um, that I learned anyway. It took a long time, especially the editing process and so forth. Like when I turned in my, um, 
manuscript. I was like, okay, cool. It's done. And um, I had to rewrite the whole book <laughs> twice. Oh, wow. So, um, yeah, that was quite an editing process um, to go through as well. So there was editing and then a delay in, in the release and so forth. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I get asked that a lot, too, about books and writing them and so forth. Um, so, yeah, good to good to hear that you're doing that. Um, what are you struggling with right now? Since you talk about that on your podcast, would you talk about that now for a little bit? Because um, I, what I love about struggles is they lead to you know, goals, but also sometimes when you are forthright with what you're struggling about, people show up for you. You never know who's listening. Sure. So the, the newest um, struggle for me is I've had to really dive in. For I have a different engagement every week for the next eight weeks as well as I have my TED Talk coming up in eight weeks, and figuring out how to allocate time for the TED Talk to submit the outline to, you know, create the story arc. There's, you know, there's tremendous amount of research involved in TED Talks and, and what works and what doesn't work and trying to do my homework on that and spend enough time on that while doing my, you know, working to fulfill my obligations on these different events that I'm doing. It's, it's, um, it's a lot of work and, and I've never done a TED talk before. So I'm a beginner and I'm, I'm learning along the way, which can, you know, obviously allows for challenges and pitfalls. Yeah. Is speaking, is public speaking something that you enjoy or are you scared of? People I usually fall one way or the other. In corporate America. <laughs> yeah. So, Part of my job for 20 years was I had to be a public speaker, but I didn't get paid for it. So when I was in corporate America, I was asked every week to either address a sales organization or a client event or fly to an association event or, you know, so I was speaking for 20 years. I didn't know it was a business you could get paid for, and I didn't figure that out until I was fired. So and then to find out it's a multi-billion dollar industry and that I could have made more money if I had quit 20 years ago and just gone into speaking was really eye-opening and taught me, you need to pick your head up out of whatever industry you're in and take a look at what you're good at and see what other opportunities there might be outside of your industry to apply that talent. Because had I done that, I, I would be sitting on a lot more wealth right now than I am. <laughs> yeah. The, um, do you think people get comfy? Like, do you, do you, do you, like if you look back on 14 years doing something, did you get nice and comfy? No, I, it was not comfy. I had a woman that hated me that really tried to sabotage me at every turn. So, no, it, there there was never a, a comfort level there. There was more I felt obligated to be there. I had built that team. You know, I had made commitments mm -hmm. to my employer, and I was a single mother, and I just I felt this high level of commitment, and I didn't see beyond where I was. I didn't pick my head up to see that there could be opportunity outside it. I was very narrow-minded, and that's why I say learn and take assessment of what are your strengths and where outside of your industry could you apply them that might be a better fit for you, and that's what I wasn't doing. I wasn't picking my head up. I was putting the company first and, and foremost in my, in my life and my employees first and foremost ahead of me and keeping myself in a toxic environment in which I, you know, I couldn't thrive because I had yeah. people trying to undercut me. Yeah. Does it make you, um, I know I keep using this word, I don't probably have a better one, I don't know why, but does it make you like leery or scared of girls? Having what, with, I, I think I asked you that once before, like right when I met you, I'm like, don't worry, I'm nice, <laughs> you know, kind of thing, because that would freak me out, because I've been a boss before, and anytime I ever had, especially a single mom with children, they were taken care of in my care. I would never do that. 
No, I'm not afraid of women. No, I just, I I definitely, I'm aware now. And awareness is really critical. Once you're aware that that element is out there, it's important for people to know not all women are nice. And while it's a real cultural movement right now to empower women, that doesn't mean women are actually going to empower you. You need to pay attention to the women and pick and choose the ones that you have surrounding you. The women that surround me now are amazing, and they cheer me on and help me and support me. That wasn't the case in corporate America, but that that didn't have to be that way forever. Now I'm in a new situation. Now I pick who's in my life instead of feeling obligated, you know, to stay in in a company in an environment Mm -hmm. where people weren't helpful. You know, now I'm surrounded by people that really help me a lot. So it's really about choice and being aware. Yeah, I have a saying on Best Review. It's like surround yourself with love. Um, just, yeah, complete and total love people who will, you know, like in social, like in terms of even like social media terms, like people who will retweet you like a tweet, like a Facebook post, um, you know, just people supportive of you rather than trolling. Um, and I think you just said it in terms of real life as well, like with people that you meet. Is that correct? Absolutely. Yeah, surround yourself with love. Um, and uh, on so it looks. I want to talk about social media because you do you love social media? Like social media? Eh, you know, how are you with your? It seems like you your. It seems like it's really you for one thing. A lot of people are like, is that really the person? And it seems like you're very engaged in social media with your fans and audience. Yeah, social media has really been a catalyst for my business to take off. 90% of my speaking engagements come direct from LinkedIn. So it really has, you know, it's, that's my revenue pipeline and feed, and which is very different than 10 years ago when I wasn't utilizing social media. So it's, you know, like anything, learning a new platform, learning a new skill, and trying to bring your unique value to that marketplace to convert into business opportunities. That's for me, primarily what I utilize social media for, but it's also been a great opportunity to network and make new business contacts as well that has really surprised me, and I've met some phenomenal people through social media. Yeah, I I couldn't agree with you more. Is LinkedIn probably your favorite? Did you say LinkedIn is your favorite place for social media? Well, LinkedIn is my number one revenue converter, so that's where almost all of my business comes from. So from a financial perspective, that's where I spend the majority of my time. Personally, if you were to take business out of it, Instagram's my my favorite platform. Gotcha. All right. So, and I'm opposite. (laughs) I'm Twitter. I love Twitter. I hang out on Twitter like all the time and I love Facebook. So that's interesting. Um, Like Instagram, I cannot wrap my arms around. Um, It's like Instagram for me is like my photography and my kids. And that's about it for me on Instagram. Um, I just can't seem to quite get my leg, my like Instagram legs going. Um, but it, it, talk about that. Like, you know, we're all different, right? And we complement sure. each other. And um, absolutely, like, yeah, I, I think so. Do you think that the social media platforms serve different purposes, especially for business purposes? Well, I mean, I can only speak to my business. I think it really depends on the company and what their strategy and approach is and, and what they're selling, right? If you're selling sure. 
fit T, the number one um, vehicle for that is Instagram. You know, it's very apparent. You see how many women are selling fit T on Instagram and it's working. If you're, you know, if you're selling a different product, maybe LinkedIn or Facebook is that right vehicle for you. It really depends on what you're selling and and it's always back to the audience. You know, who is that audience and where can you reach them most effectively and efficiently? Yeah, that's that's good insight there. Um, But what about for books? Like, have you had any success with one platform or or another with selling your book? Because everybody's trying to, you know. Absolutely. Podcasts are the number one vehicle to sell books that I found. Hands down, podcasts sell books. Awesome. Yeah. So I'm I'm running out of time, which makes always makes me sad because I love having you on here. <laughs> and I always say that to my guests. It's a, it's always a joy and, and fun. But I I want to ask, is there anything that we haven't covered that you wanted to talk about? Um I have one I have one question about Heather as a kindergartner left <laughs> that I wanted to go through. But is there anything that we didn't cover? that you wanted to talk about? Yeah, the one thing I I, I like to, you know, leave all audience, any audience with is that, you know, in any moment you're either creating confidence or chipping away at it, the choice is yours. So start to choose wisely and be aware. Oh, I love that. Maybe I should just be quiet. (laughs) What do you think? (laughs) I'm going to leave it at that. So at any moment you're chipping away at confidence or you're creating it. In any That's moment, so you're either creating confidence or you're yes. chipping away at it. Chipping the choice is yours, it. and all you need to do is be aware of it and choose wisely. I love it. Okay, I'm going to be quiet. Heather? Uh, I'm going to be quiet <laughs> for the most part. Heather, <laughs> thank you for being on my show. I'm sorry this took so long to have you on. I appreciate you um, navigating the most difficult year I've ever had in my life um, with me. Um, I want to tell you my um, to the audience kind of probably knows this, but my my father passed away in October, and I've been trying to have Heather on my radio show. I think it's been over a year, don't you think, Heather? <laughs> to try yeah, probably, and, yeah, navigate just all the things going on in my life, and my mom's been real sad and so forth, and um, I just haven't been doing as many podcasts as I normally do, um, or posting as much as I do as we're tr- just trying to get through our family because there's 11 of us kids and a lot of grandkids and so forth. And I really appreciate um, your the, your texts, and um, I don't know you personally. I've never met you, and it was like I had a buddy, and I really appreciate it. So I just wanted to let, oh my, let gosh, the, my audience know the type of person you are because you didn't have to do what you did and I really appreciate it. And I really appreciate you being on the show and um, you've given oh, me confidence. Thank you so much. Yeah. You've given me confidence this past year when I didn't have it. So thank you. That makes um, me happy. And I appreciate hearing that. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. So, okay. I'm teared. <laughs> I'm a little bit teared. So <laughs> love to you all. Thank you for listening. And um, I hope my dad's listening. All right, everybody have a great day. Thanks. Heather, thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Take care, everybody. Have a beautiful day. Right. I'm fighting tears back. <laughs> so I love you all. Thank you so much for listening. I'm going to regroup here so I can talk. Um, it's been a long year, and my mom was just out here. And it's hard when your father dies. So um, my mom's been really struggling. And we're all pushing through it. And it was so good to have my mom here this past week. It was really strange without my dad here. Um, He always comes to Maine. And it was just a really strange visit. But it was a good visit. 
and my brother, who you all know. Um, he's a whole bunch of chapters in my books. He's a victim of a violent crime in Minnesota. He's here with me for the month. And it's just a really, really wonderful month. And I get to hang out with my brother, Justin, and um, he's listening to this show. Thank you, Heather, for that. And um, I just really appreciate you all listening and you all hanging in there because this is our fall kickoff of our new season. <laughs> so got some tears kicking it up. But um, we just love you all. So thank you so much for hanging out with me and seeing me through this past year. And I love you all. And here's to 2019 and 2020 with lots of new radio shows. Lots to percolate about. Lots more confidence, right, Heather? <laughs> I love it. Um, I love Heather. If you haven't gone to her website, please do so. I'll post links. Her book is amazing. She's amazing. Her messages are amazing. And she is one to watch. Watch what she does over the next year and a half. It will be amazing, I promise you. Just watch everything she does. And um, if you need to follow her, and ask her what she's doing. Make sure you do because she's really there. She'll tweet you back. She'll if if she doesn't answer you personally, I'm sure she'll write a, write something about you or talk about you on her show um, because it's awesome. So anyway, thank you all for listening. Thank you for being here, and I hope you all have a great day. Um, take care, everybody. It's best ever you moment and new best ever you year for us here. At best ever you. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the Best Ever You Show. Want more? Visit us at besteveryou.com. Be your best and keep it real. Confident, successful, caring, and beautiful every day with Best Ever You.